Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Gunnosaurus is back. Seriously, we're talking mascots in today's Gegenpod as Mesut Ozil comes to the rescue at Arsenal. With all the wash-up from the transfer window and a bonkers start to the Premier League season, we've got a big episode ahead. Yes, hi everyone. What a week in the Premier League. What a start to the Premier League we've enjoyed. If you're still catching your breath, I don't blame you. I think we're all doing that as well. But that means we've got a hell of a lot to talk to talk about as we head into the international break. David Weiner with you once again, joined by Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges. We've got crazy score lines and transfer windows to wrap up. So let's get stuck right into it. Bridgie, have you caught your breath, mate? How are you? I am all good, Dave. It's just been, the transfer has been fantastic to see what has been going on. If the, you know, the deadline day is fantastic. I've lo- I love it because there's always things going on, ins and outs, and it was. But what I'm still trying to catch my breath from is the weekend's action. The amount of goals that we saw in the Premier League, it was just absolutely relentless. And I've never seen anything like it in a long time, if ever. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec, if ever as well. Thomas, how, about, how are you going? Yeah, good. I'm sitting here being a bit embarrassed after all the, the lovely predictions we, we made on the Sunday preview show. <laughs> you know, we were, we were handing Leicester victories, Liverpool victories, uh, a tight game between Tottenham and Man United. And, uh, you know, our so-called experts know nothing. So uh, that's what I've learned from this weekend. <laughs> but that's what was so remarkable, remarkable about it, is that it was Leicester hadn't lost all season, get knocked off at home by a team that most people still had their doubts about. And then the, just the sheer volume of goals in those other games, plus the fact you had Leeds and Manchester City the day before. Like it was, it, when you, we often say things like, most ridiculous weekend ever, craziest game ever, a night we've never seen before. But it was a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Tommy, Tommy was saying there, the predictions were just out the window. People's accumulators were out the window over the, week, over the weekend. Um, but it, it's good for football. It keeps, it keeps it going. If there's any, I think it was interesting. I think it might have been Harry Redknapp I was listening to, said it's probably the most open season we could ever, ever witness. And he, he, he believes, obviously, I think I, I agree with him, that a lot of the fans not being in the stadiums, this, this, can, this can happen. You can have complacency. The players can switch off. And um, yeah, there's a, it, was, it was just an incredible weekend, which I still can't get my head around. Well, we'll try to dissect that and what it all means a little bit later on in the show. But to today's big news, and, and stop the press because it is big news, is obviously deadline day started with the news of Gunnosaurus being stood down by Arsenal and the PR backlash that ensued because, of course, he'd been there for, I think, since 1993, even before, that's before Arsene Wenger was even at the club. So he was stood down because there's no fans. So what do you need a mascot for if there's no fans? Um, but then club legends and, and came out and, and dis, absolutely dismayed about it. And there was a GoFundMe page set up as well. And as we record today, the news, Mesut Ozil has offered to pay for the mascot so long as he remains at the club. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this, Bridgie. But, and Thomas, but Thomas, I'll go to you first on this. Well, I don't even know what I'm asking here, actually. I just had to bring it up because it's quite bizarre. It is, um, uh, and and uh, Ozil uh, holding Arsenal to ransom over a mascot. You know, you never saw that headline. Um, but but again, you know, I think mascots are a part of the game, and and, and it's a little bit, uh, you know, sad really. You know, you look at Arsenal spending, you know, fifty, sixty million on on Partey, and and then you know you can't afford a couple of a couple of grand for a, a mascot who's been there, as you said, for for such a long time, part of the the, the club. Uh, club history and um, you know yeah the fans are not there but it's you know it's still part of the club and um, you know there's other places I'm sure they can save a few dollars uh, and, and great to see that uh, you know people see it differently uh, that I think that's that's good uh, you know I think me and Bridget talked about beforehand you know every club that we've been 
been at, you know, love or hate the mascots, you know, they, they mean a lot to kids and, you know, we've had a you know, bit of fun as players with the mascots and, you know, I've even been attacked by a mascot down in, in Macedonia <laughs> once. So, you know, you have Go some on. sort of a... <laughs> Tell us about that one. Yeah, no, no we played a, played a game and, and uh, they're all, you know, they're a very important game down there and they they'd uh, ordered the mascot to just disrupt our, our warm-up. So he kept sort of running across the goal area while we were warming up and I ended up having to just tackle him and move him, <laughs> drag him off the field. Uh, obviously that was uh, got a few coins thrown at me then but uh, you know so uh, you know these are the things you know you, so you know I'm sure Bridget as well you know you have some sort of special relationship with a mascot love it love or hate well I used to love our mascot um, at Sunderland Tommy Samson Samson the big black cat and then he got a girlfriend I can't remember her name Delilah, I think. Del- yeah, Delilah. <laughs> that was it. So, you know, they, I used to love the two of them in the tunnel. Used to see them every now and again with their, with their mascot heads off so you could actually see who the, the real person was behind it. And he was always sweating. He was always looking for a glass of uh, a bottle of water off the boys. So there was nothing better than when he put his suit back on, he put his head, you could just give him a little jab in the back of the head when he ran down the tunnel because he didn't know who it had come from. And it just started to catch on. And by the time all the lads were running out the tunnel, he was just fed up. So, the, but they the play a big part, like Tommy says. It's it's um, the Arsenal thing I'm delighted with. It's not just about what they do on match days. They actually go around the community because they're quite a, you know, they're they're a, they're a big asset to the club, and they go into schools, they go into hospitals. So I think what Arsenal have um, and Özil especially, and the, the fans have done is, is sensational. Uh, it's about time he did something for Arsenal because he's been. You haven't seen much of him on the field. So if he's doing good things off the field, good on him. It was almost a, it was almost as surprising to hear from him because you just tend to forget that he's actually there because he's been so out of the picture over the past couple of weeks uh, this season. So, but, but Dave, how how much has his career fallen when Tommy says you're holding your club to ransom to stay at a club when you've been an international footballer and you're holding them to ransom over a mascot? Well, I find it fascinating. He'd get more minutes if he actually offered to take over the mascot role as opposed to subsidising it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what I'm struggling with is how a club can um, uh, not afford to hold on to the mascot, but then matter of eight hours later can go and pay a release cause in 45 million uh, euros for Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid. And I think that's something that I think everyone's trying to come to grips with is how in this climate, the money is still there. But for Arsenal fans, fortunately it is. And this signing, um, Bridgie, it was the final piece of Mikel Arteta's puzzle. I think Arsenal fans hoped deadline day would bring this for them, maybe dreamt of it, yeah. but they probably didn't think it was actually going to happen. How big is the arrival of Thomas Party for Arsenal's plans this season? Yeah, it's a huge, huge, like you say, a piece in the jigsaw that he has been trying to develop. I've always said that Arsenal have lacked a little bit of steel in there and a bit of grit and desire. And, you know, when we were playing against me and Tommy, they had Patrick Vieira in there. There was nobody stronger or more solid in that hole. And I just feel they've become a little bit lightweight. Arteta's given them a whole new style. He's given them, uh, you know, the way they're playing out. They're working for each other now. Um, As a team, he's changed the culture. I think we've seen that in the window going the other way for Arsenal as well. Um, with Deadwood and Gwendozi and people Pereira. moving on, yeah. so that's that's been a great. But to get um, you know Thomas Party, it's absolutely brilliant. One because of his name, I think it's great that you can sign anybody that's got a name like Party. Um, but the, just what he's offered Atletico Madrid and what he's done, he is a hard worker. He is absolutely solid. He doesn't pull out of tackles and he can play. And he's got that working culture that he's been driven into him by Simeone. So I don't know how they've managed to do it. Well, obviously, the, the trigger, the, uh, the release clause is huge. But I, I think it's absolutely magnificent. And this could sit, sit them now in a massive position. Um, I had them sitting in about sixth or seventh um, in my predictions. I think they can go for Champions League spot, if not push for the title this season. Well, push for the title. I guess that's going to come up in a second in our discussion about what the hell is actually happening this season. But we'll, I'll come to you, Thomas. On um, You've spoken plenty on this program about uh, the culture at Arsenal or the, the soft, the soft centre of Arsenal. Um, can you see that that might be evolving a little bit and that perhaps what Bridget has predicted could happen off the back of this kind of recruitment and the type of changes Arteta is making to this club? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, the structure that, that Wenger had, um, you know, and again, the player types, you know, you had an Adams, uh, Dixon, uh, you know, Vieira in the middle, Parler, you had, you had that steal through the, the team. Uh, and, and that was sort of lost. I think Wenger tried to, 
you know, just signed the wrong kind of players. And, and that sort of was lost. Uh, and it takes time to build it. But you can see Arteta is starting, you know, with the signings, w- with the way he's playing, with the word, word, work ethic. Because I thought it was lost a little bit in, you know, we have to play nice football, you know, the Arsenal way. Uh, you know, great at home at the Emirates, but whenever they went on a windy day at Stoke or Sheffield United or wherever, you know, they just never got any uh, results out of it. And, and you know, that you know, led to them being in sixth, seventh, eighth place because they, they weren't getting enough points. And I, you can see now, I think it's a great signing. Like, and what Bridget pointed out that, you know, he comes from Simeone's system, you know, with that work ethic uh having to 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 you know win the tackles and and it, and it just takes one player you know I, I don't think they're far off you know again defensively still i have a, a few question marks but in midfield get it get the right player there and i think party could be that player then uh, they got plenty going forward we, we know villian is a great signing and obama young obviously as well and lacassette and whoever they got so the options are there. They just need, you know, that solidity through the team. And I think they're they're definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, and he's got the ability to um, to actually dribble as well. He, he's got one of the highest stat numbers in in European football for yeah. get, breaking through uh, dribbling as well. And actually, a lot of the stuff they're saying about his move is that he actually, as much as he um, will bring the Simeone qualities to Arsenal's midfield, he actually wants to be a little bit liberated himself and actually express himself a bit more, which being at Arsenal will allow him to do. So that will be fascinating to see how that goes. It was a pretty, it was a weird deadline day because it promised a lot, didn't deliver a lot, and then sort of climax in the last little hour. Um, who, when we, when we look at the uh, up to sports social poll, when they look, we asked who won the who won the transfer window. Uh, Arsenal came in third uh, behind uh, Chelsea and Everton. For you guys, who did win the transfer window now that it has been run and won? Are you on about the final day, Dave? Or are you on about the whole transfer window in general? Who well, once the final day finished, who won the transfer window? Yeah, um, oh. I mean, Man United scrambled late. They, I think they had a lot of panic towards the end. United did, you know, Carvani coming in. Um, oh, what was he, the lads? Uh, Alex, Alex uh, Tellers. Yep. Yeah, I think he's a cracking, cracking signing that's coming from there. Carvani's coming. The other boy, they got Truro from uh, Atlanta as well. So that was, I still think there was a bit of panic going on there, but they've managed to get some in um, to secure because they needed something to deflect the fans away from what's been going on there with the results. But for me, the, the winners, I've got to go with Everton. Uh, <laughs> I just think because I think we've seen them together and what they've done. I really like the way Rodriguez has come in, where Alan is just giving them a massive, massive boost. So for me, because I've seen them play, it would be Everton. And I don't want to be biased towards Tottenham. We've got Gareth Bale, so I'm going to be delighted. But no, Everton for me. Well, it's almost because, Thomas, we've actually seen the results with them hitting the ground running. For money spent, obviously, Chelsea won the window in the sense they got what they wanted, but integrating it hasn't been so easy, whereas Carlo Ancelotti, it's been seamless for Everton. But they also added Ben Godfrey, so we got the central defensive um, depth that he wanted. But Robin Olsen's the interesting one for me, the goalkeeper, just to come in and say to Jordan Pickford, we're watching you now. Like You've made a few too many mistakes now. Um, Does Robin Olsen come in to put that pressure on, or does he actually come in to take over from him? No, I think you know it, it's it's um, I think it's a warning. Uh, I think uh, you know Robin Olsen is is a good goalkeeper, very experienced. Um, you know, a Swedish international for years and years, um, and uh, played in you know played in, in in Italy for for the last few years. Um, so so again, that if if anything, you know that you know you're not bringing in an international keeper as a as a as a number two. You know, so he'll be coming. You know, to 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 to, to take that chance. Um, and again, I think Pickford is is on on the ropes. Uh, you know, he needs to pick it up. You know, you look at the Everton team, and at the moment, he's the only weakness really. Um, you know, everyone else is is pulling their weight, and 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 Pickford is too much up and down, um, and um, you know, too many mistakes. It hasn't really cost Everton because you know, at the weekend, you know, they clawed them themselves back, and and uh, it didn't cost them. Um, points but uh, eventually it will because um, you know like we've seen with, with Man United and uh, you know even at Chelsea with, with Kepa you know you can't you can't be a top four team if your keeper is not uh, up to, to scratch and uh, and that'll be the same at Everton. 
Dave, I've got to say, somebody, the team that's flown under the radar with a transfer window, um, and I'm not being out, you know, speaking out of turn, being ex Leeds player, but Leeds United have done some unbelievable business. They just got Rafinha in from Ren, the Brazilian. They've got uh, the Urente from Real Sociedad. Rodrigo, the Spanish international from Valencia, 27 million. Robin Koch, um, German international. Harrison back on loan. Um, The goalkeeper, I know he's coming. um, The the Oh, the French boy, Mesley. Mesley. And Helder Costa from Wolves. They, they've spent now... It was funny because I was having a chat with a few of the boys online um, the other night when the transfers went through. And I heard my wife, she was chatting to me afterwards. She'd overheard the conversation. She went, oh, Leeds aren't doing another Leeds United like when you were there, were they? When they, <laughs> when they just blew the budget. And I, I, I kind of sat back and thought, I hope they're not doing that. I'm hoping they've got the budget sorted out. But the, the business that they have done... Um, Victor Otter has just, and the you know Angus Kinnear and them that have been there, they have methodically looked at this, and it's it's been great business. I think methodical is a good word. It, it, I was I was going to ask, it's been it's not slapstick, it's very purposeful, yeah. isn't it, Bridgie? It certainly is. Yeah, it certainly is. They've ne- realised that they went through the championship, and I th- and the you know injuries came in, but they managed to get through. They've had their eyes on targets, uh, and I think that the budget that they were hoping to get, Bielsa wanted a, a budget, and they've, they've, they've honoured it. But what they've done, Bielsa and them have sat down, they've looked at it, they've analysed players' stats, they've analysed the work rate. We, you know, even Bielsa showed the media what he did when he does opposition. So God knows what it looks like when they're looking at players and the amount mm. of stats. And the other thing I was delighted was there was a player they were going to sign from Bayern Munich actually failed a medical as well. So not only are they signing them, they're actually saying, well, if you're not up to the standards that we require, you're not coming in. Now in the past at Leeds United, that has never been the case because I passed a medical. And I don't know how the hell I ever passed a medical. So there you go. Well, if I can add something, I think, you know, you're looking at who can you know, who's going to win this transfer window? It's, for me, it's it's the teams that have come in there with a clear plan. You know, where do we need to strengthen? Uh, you know, like Everton, midfield, you know, signing Alain Ducouré, uh, obviously adding the quality of, of James Rodriguez. You know, those are the teams, for me, that, that's winning, adding a centre-half, adding some pressure for the goalkeeping position. You know, you see teams like, you know, we talked about United. Uh, you know, it just seems... You know, they were there early with the big words that we, 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 we can unmuscle everyone because obviously everyone is under the strain of the COVID crisis and we got so much money. We, we can do whatever we want. We can compete. They haven't done anything. They've obviously, you know, uh, you know, chased players but haven't been able to get it over the line. And then this panic late on trying to, to close some gaps. You know, those are the differences. Um, and, uh, you know, sadly, that, that shouldn't be the case for a big club like Man United. But, but hats off to Aston Villa as well. You know, they, they've identified players that they needed. Um, you know, bring in... Tommy, they've just strengthened all the way down the core. They've got the goalkeeper Martinez. They've got in Ross Bartley up at the thing. They've got Ollie Watkins up top. That core that Aston Villa have done has mm. been absolutely brilliant. And I think you're seeing the benefits of that. Yeah, and, and, and ex- extending Grealish. I, I think that was yeah. a big, big yeah. sign. You know, because... You know, you don't want to be a selling club if you want to move forward. You want to keep your best players, and keeping him, I think, was was the first first uh, you know brick in the wall. And then they could build around that. Uh, you know, so a lot of good signings for for Villa. I think. Before we rip into Manchester United, I just want to ask you about Villa. One one last thing is that is this kind of this window with Ross Barkley, who hit the ground running, still has a lot to prove, but he started really well on the weekend. Does this make you confident that? Uh, this isn't a flash in the pan from Villa, that they've actually looked at where they were uh, off the mark last year um, and filled those vacancies in the, using the same word we did for Leeds in a purposeful way? Yeah, I think they learned from last year. I think they signed about, I think, 12 players uh, beginning of, of last season. Uh, and I think they identified it's, it's, it's quality over quantity. I think, you know, getting the right players, in, adding to what they're already identifying, who was good enough from last year, where do we need to strengthen? Uh, obviously, cash comes in, a right back. You know, uh, again, identifying other positions. Uh, a good striker, Watkins Young, um, has already proven that, that he's a good signing. And then Martinez, um, again, experienced goalkeeper. We've talked about it already, that, that that's an important position. And then, you know, just uh, adding quality and keeping the best players, uh, uh, you know, for me, they're not going to challenge for a top four, potentially a top six, but 
for me, they're definitely not in the relegation zone, even though they're, you know, it's still early, but uh, they should be comfortably mid-table in, in my view. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek here for regarding Ross Barkley. There's a couple of things. I think we're going to see the best of him now, and there's two reasons for that. COVID is here, so he can't go out and party, and he can't be <laughs> falling out with the manager. And he's not in London. He's not in the big city of the life. Like he's, he's in Aston Villa. Now, I, I, I don't know, but it's not, it's not as good a night out as, as London is, believe you me. And Tommy will probably vouch for that. So I think we're going to see the best of him because he's in a team now that are wanting to play him. He's playing alongside Grealish. He'd probably feel like a wanted man again um, because, like I say, I think he's just lost his way when he went to the big city and the, the fallout with Lampard early didn't go down very well. So I think there's a couple of reasons why we're going to see Bartley and that is only good for Aston Villa. And potentially good for England too. You never know. They're so yeah. they're the teams that did really well. You touched on United. Like, what do we make of that? Everyone's got an opinion on United, but ultimately, how is it, Thomas, that we get to the final day of the transfer window and Manchester United still it's like a lottery which way their signings are going to go? I, I think they're victim a little bit of their own arrogance um, to some extent. Um, again, you know, I talked about some of the statements they came out. Uh, you know, after the end of last season that, the, uh, you know, and then the ongoing Sancho saga, if they wanted him, they could have bought him. Uh, you know, they, they could have got him for, for 100 million. They offered 80. Um, and, you know, if they wanted him, I'm sure they could have found that the, the last 20. Um, and then that could have been a great booster going into the rest of the window, but they've dragged it on. Um, and, and I think it's crucial uh, uh, that they haven't found a central defender. You know, we saw at the weekend, uh, I was gobsmacked how shocking the defending was. You know, it was, yeah, yeah Harry Maguire, you can say. You know, Harry you Maguire send... doesn't know what team he plays for because he seems to tackle his own teammates week in, week out. He did the same with Shaw this weekend. It was, it's bloody ridiculous. Yeah, but there's so many things wrong. You know, obviously... You know, just the first goal, again, I don't know, lack of awareness, uh, uh, but lack of effort in, in most of the goals, positioning, out of shape, no communication. You know, it's not just one thing. It's, it's just everything that's wrong at the moment. Uh, and, and no confidence. The keeper is not making any saves. You know, it's just... Tommy, uh, again, you, you've got kids, right? You, have you watched the movie... The kids' cartoon movie, Racket Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, he's just an absolute... It's like you say, he's a calamity. Everything he does, he makes a mistake with. He's a, just a big, big guy that fights anything. It's Harry Maguire. I'm telling you, Racket Ralph is in the centre defence for Man United. He's causing absolute carnage. And he actually... He looks like the character as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've just looked it up. <laughs> there you go, Dave. Honestly, Harry Maguire is Racket Ralph in, in every sense of the manner. And it's like Tommy well, said... He moves like Racket Ralph at the moment. It's a sh it's shambolic, shambolic. So, what is Bridgie? What's the bigger issue? Because a lot of the things that came out after the six-one was you can't go spend this money now because you don't even know if Solskjaer is the right man to take him through. So now they're in this sort of um, in-between space where they get to deadline day and their signings are still in the air. But the day before deadline day, the flaws on the field with all the money they've already spent are already exposed. And I'm not sure which way you turn now in terms of answering that. Is it more it's, they're not getting the more out of the kettle that's there? Or do they, does Solskjaer need more to perform better? Dave, there's bigger issues at hand with Manchester United. It's not the manager. It's not the players. It's not the board. It, it's a collective. It's everybody playing their own part. And I believe that it's so disjointed. We've just talked about Leeds United, how they have fundamentally got their foundation built then they got, you know, they're the, the built from the bottom all the way back to the top. They were all on the same page. Manchester United has got bits here do, doing their own in, invested interest. They've got another character here. They don't know who their manager's going to be. They don't know what players they want to sign. The board don't know whether they're coming or going. The fans are getting frustrated because there is no cohesion. They're, it's absolutely terrible, from, I think, from top to bottom. Um, and I think that as a, as a collective is impacting everything about Manchester United and what it was, what Alex Ferguson built. There is, there's a massive disconnect. And like you say, how can you sign players there when they're talking to Pochettino as a manager at the moment as well? Where does that leave on a Gunnar Solskjaer? Mm. Did he want the players or has Pochettino made that push mm. or the managers that they're speaking to? It's, there's just so much, there's so many small little fires going on and it's going to erupt very soon. 
So are you saying that uh, Solskjaer, you think, you, you think Solskjaer deserved the chance to sign better players and for the club to be more coherent off the park to get him that? Or he's not good enough to deal with those players if they come in because what's well, he's happening got, at the moment isn't good enough either? For me, he's got to be good enough because he's been there for long enough now at this time. He's, he's had moments where he came in, he turned the club around and they got the great results. And then he had a, a patch where he was tested and he got through that. He had the saga with Pogba. He's proven his worth. There is just bigger issues at stake at this football club. You can't blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and say he's not, not a manager. He's produced wins. He's done things. All right, he might not have won anything with them um, at present, and he's still trying to, trying to do that. Um, correct us if I'm wrong. I don't think he has. But um, it's, I just, there's bigger things going on at that football club that are away from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and it, it absolutely stinks. And if I was Manchester United fans, I'd be really hurting at this moment in time, thinking, where has our club gone? Well, on that note, Thomas, if you so they landed us in Cavani, who hasn't played for seven months, has had soft tissue injuries, has had COVID, was thinking about retiring, and a 33-year-old gets a, a great last chance to, to play in the Premier League. Um, they didn't get the, the, the initial targets they wanted. Can Manchester United still attract the top-line targets? Oh, uh, I think it's, it's... And that I think that's probably part of it as well. They, they, you know, that aura and, and dominance they had uh, where ple- people would, would uh, you know, throw it throw away everything to, to go to Manchester United. Those times are, are gone now. Uh, you know, you look at the likes of Chelsea and, and um, Man City, Liverpool. I think they're, they're ahead of Manchester United, uh, you know, Tottenham at the moment for, in a player's mind. Um, and, and I think they, that's difficult for them uh, uh, in the first place. And then, like, if, you know, that's where it reeks a little bit of, of uh, desperation because Cavani has been available you know, for the last six months, and, and, and why has anyone else not taken? Uh, you know, he, you know, he's got a good track record. We know that. You know, he's done well over the years. He's he's sort of getting older. Um, you know, but he hasn't trained. You can't you can't expect an immediate impact. You know, is is that one, two, three months? Uh, is he just going to be a substitute? Um, he might know, play what, a centre half. Yeah, potentially, I think that that could help. You know, uh, uh, or Tellus has to cover for the three others. I don't know. He must be, uh, you know, he, he has to be superhuman there. Uh, so uh, it just brings out. It's just not a good look for a club that wants to be, you know, in and among, you know, at least in the reckoning of of being one of the biggest clubs in the world. And it's just hard to see that from from the actions at the moment. Like Bridgie said, it, it, it's dysfunctioning all over the place. Striker to striker, will he uh, will he make an impact, Bridgie? Carvani? Mm. Oh, I think if once he is fit and he's ready to go, there's no doubt about it because his goal scoring record, every club we have seen him play at, he scored goals. He's a he's a workhorse internationally as well, fantastic. So yes, they will because they they produce chances. Manchester United going forward. They've got um, some lethal players in that front third that will create chances for him to score goals once he is fit and ready. Um, whether that means Man United will win games, Dave, no, because that is a different matter at the other end of the field. But Carvani, I'm a big fan of his. And I'm actually delighted to see him in the Premier League. I thought Leeds United might have had a crack at him. I just don't think they could afford the wage bill that he, that he was demanding. But there was talk that they'd looked at him as well. But again, comes back to they, did, they weren't desperate. Mm. And, and you mentioned Pochettino. What does it take from here for Solskjaer to ward off um, the club pursuing Pochettino this season? Oh, I think the, the fans not being there is huge because I think, can you imagine Old Trafford at the weekend if the fans had been in there? It, mm-hmm. it, could, it could have been a blooming riot and there definitely would have been some, some issues there. Um, what's he got to do? He's, he's got to get results. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. The top end, you must get results. And if they, if they get the results and they get into the Champions League spots, and I, I just I can't see him getting long enough because I think that there's, I do think there's some underlying. I hate saying managers are going to leave. There's some underlying issues and there's no smoke without fire, Dave. And with Pochettino's name getting branded around, he's sitting waiting in the wings. I think it's potentially sooner rather than later if, um, if, if, if that happens. Okay, watch this space. It won't be the last we talk about Manchester United. I have uh, no doubt about that through the season. But in conclusion, they did not win the transfer window. And I think it looks like uh, Everton and uh, to a certain extent, Aston Villa, Arsenal uh, have certainly did that. Chelsea, yeah, Leeds, Leeds United, Leeds United up there. Thank you. Maybe by the end of the season, we'll know a little bit more about Chelsea's business. They've certainly uh, put the put the money out there to make sure they do have to walk the walk a little bit later on. But we've spoken so much about Chelsea on this podcast the last couple of weeks. We'll give uh, we'll give them a week off this week. Short break. Promise. 
A quick shout-out to Optus Sport's other podcast, Two Sharp Reds. Former Aussie goalkeeper Mark Schwarzer is joined by Ollie Geel to have great banter about the Premier League, Champions League, Women's Super League. You know what? Anything football, really. You won't be disappointed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Two Sharp Reds, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the Pod. But what we will talk about now is a bit of action on the field because we head into the international break, guys, with an average goals per game we haven't seen since the 1930s in the top flight of England. It's absolutely bonkers. Do you have any idea why, Thomas? Can you put your finger on it? Or do we just sit back and enjoy it? Is it it's been absolutely outrageous. Yeah, it has, you know, it's been great entertainment. Uh, you know, just this weekend and, 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 you know, upsets all over the place. But I think Bridgie talked on... on something uh, a little bit earlier that, that the circumstances might play a part here, you know, and as a former player, not having the fans, not having the same energy on the park or in the stadium does have an effect that, you know, it, it in changes the mindset. The, yeah. And it changes the, the dynamic a little bit, you know, the, 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 the passion, the feeling, the, you know, the, the, the home team's uh, advantage has sort of gone out of the window a little bit. It's, it's more difficult as a player, as much as you would want to say that you can go out for every single match and, and be, you know, 100% ready for every single match. It's just not possible because there's ups and downs. There's, you know, obviously big matches. It's easy. You don't have to do anything. Naturally, it comes, you know, with all the, the nervousness and everything else. But, but if you're playing you know, a game with no fans, like a practice match, it has that feel. It's difficult. Uh, and I think that's why we, we're seeing more mistakes. Uh, we're seeing the fluctuation in, in, in results um, because of those circumstances. I think they, they play a bigger part than we, than we think. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you, Tommy. It's, it's, it's all to do with the fans and the atmosphere in these stadiums and around the stadiums. And also, the, like I say, the complacency creeps in because of them... When you're over that white line, you need that extra little bit of, yeah, okay. you know, from the fans to give you. It's 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 huge, Dave. I, I can't stress that enough. How important fans are to players and clubs um, yeah, around the world. But it's still been good to watch. I found. I don't think oh, I missed the trick in that sense. It's just been different. Without a shadow of a doubt, and that's what we're. This is going to be the new norm for God knows how long. Yeah. Um, and I know some of the lower clubs may may struggle. Um, and they're trying to get the, the fans back into the lower divisions. It was meant to be the 1st of October. They've had a big spike because the universities have all gone back into England and people have been going out and partying and, and disregarding the social distancing. There's been big spikes around the country at the big universities. So that's, this is, again, affecting. We've just seen another player at Liverpool. Um, yeah, today. So that's three yeah, players. At so that's three now, and we don't know how many players that's spread to. So, it's, again, it's, it's still a huge issue in, in the world that we live in. But football cannot and will not survive without fans. Um, so I'm hoping that it's sooner rather than later. But like you say, the football has been entertaining, but it's entertaining for the wrong wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, on that note, I'm a little bit worried about international breaks. So I'm hoping, got my fingers crossed, that when everyone crosses borders and comes back, that um, everyone's used their common sense and we're still able to, to play on when it gets back. Um, part of that bonkers start, of course, has seen Everton mean they'll head into the Merseyside derby as the team <sighs> on top. Uh, in in Liverpool, sorry, in Merseyside against Liverpool, and we'll talk about more about that uh, next week, of course. But Thomas, I just want to know about Everton. We spoke about their recruitment. What I'd love to know is, can they sustain it, or what does success from here in look like if they can sustain it? Again, you know, it's still early, um, but but you you know, can Calvo Lewin can he keep that scoring record up? Uh, you know, statistics say, history tells us it, it's, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but again, you know, um, with the service that he, he gets, you know, he, he, why not? You know, he, he's improved his finishing. It, you know, the, the talks have come out that, that he's worked really hard on it. Ancelotti has been on his case, on his one-touch finishing, his movement in the box, and, and you can see he's paying off. So if he keeps scoring 
uh, gets the service. Um, and again, I think defensively, if, if Pickford or, or Robin Olsen can 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 just elevate their game, uh, give them that security at the back, you know, they, they look solid as a team. You know, they're they're hardworking. I think you know they got a great manager who who reads the game really well, who's, who's you know tactically very astute. Um, so yeah, you know. I think they can definitely sustain a run for the top four. Uh, definitely a European place. You know, uh, it's probably a bit too early to, to call them uh, a title contender. But, uh, you know, I think we need to get past uh, the halfway point before we can uh, judge that. Yeah, it, I mean, what a game we're going to have. The Merseyside derby. You know, you've got, you've got a team that haven't won this fixture for so many years in Everton. And what an opportunity they've got. They're sitting top. They've scored 12 goals. They've only conceded the five. And I think that would have been a lot less if you know, Pickford had been on his game. They've looked super impressive. Liverpool coming off the back of a massive defeat. They've got the international break to try and get some numbers back. Um, you know, the, Hopefully the COVID hasn't, hasn't spread throughout the team. And what a fixture we have. It's going back to the old FA Cup matches that I remember. Everton against Liverpool. It was, you know, it was a, an equal playing field. And I just think this is going to be an absolutely massive game. And I, I can't wait for it. And I think... It's no people are saying that it's a bad game for Liverpool. I think it's a good one. It's a good one for them to bounce back and say, you know what it is, we've had a little bit of a blip and they can go on because the stats, everything favours Liverpool um, apart from this season. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. No, this will be this will be grand final esque. This is gonna be a massive build up. But um, it's been great to watch Everton so far and it'll be interesting to see if they can fulfill uh, the expectations they have set. So, uh, best and worst of the opening month, the first impressions, um, they've obviously been right up there. Um, what else has caught your eye, Thomas? Uh, I think, you know, Sheffield United has, has been a real disappointment. Um, second year syndrome. I think the expectations potentially may be a, a bit too, too high. Um, but again, you know, you're looking at, you know, the, the teams they played, obviously Villa, they played Leeds, you know, so it's not like they've played you know, games that they didn't, you know, that they played the top three or anything. Uh, and I think that's very worrying um, going going into to the rest. And I think they have Fulham in the next game. Uh, that's a must win. And then they have a run of horrific, uh, I think it's it's uh, Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. <laughs> I think they have a horrific <laughs> run after that. So if, if they don't win um, against Fulham or get three points, they, that could potentially be eight or nine games without a win. Um, so that, 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 could be them gone already. So for, for, for me, that's been a bit of a, a disappointment. I think uh, I, I expected more, even though it's, it's the second season. And to you, Bridgie? Um, seeing Manchester City and Manchester United in the bottom half of the tables, and then, what is it, 16th and 14th place represent? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're only three or four games in, yeah, but to see them two at the bottom end of the table with teams like Fulham and Burnley and Sheffield United who've got zero points, I just find it fascinating what has gone on this season, how, how, how I'm seeing them teams down there. And I don't want to get too carried away. We just talked about Everton and Aston Villa being top. I remember calling, I think I called West Ham out last season when they were sitting in fourth. They had a flying start this season. I'll always judge teams after 10 games of the yeah. season to see where they're at. And I mean, I, one of the guys at the Optus studio gave me a load of grief for saying West Ham will finish 10th when they were in fourth. And he had a right go at me. And then I, you know, when they finished nearly relegation spot, I went to look for him and said, you know, you've got to wait and see where your teams are at. So, yeah, that, that was the big one for me, seeing the, the two Manchester teams down there. But I'm sure things will pick up. It is very easy to get carried away. But uh, first impressions, you know, can tell you a little bit. Of the new, guy, new boys that have come up, they've almost gone to type, haven't they, Thomas? Two of them have struggled badly. Um, I don't know. We all would have thought that Marcelo Bielsa could have produced magic with Leeds. I didn't know that it could be as good as what he has produced. It's been just breathtaking to watch. Yeah, it's been a breath of, of fresh air. And just the approach, you know, uh, you know again, I, I know how excited Bridget, Bridget is and, and uh, you know, for good reason. I think, you know, that attacking mentality, just coming in with new ideas, the, the, the man marking all over the, the pitch, uh, comes in with a game plan, takes the game. We saw it against Man City. Yes, maybe, you know, had a bit too much respect in the first 20 minutes and that could have cost him the game. But then after that, took the game to Man City and had them on the ropes and, and could have won late on. And not a lot of teams do that. Actually winning possession, uh, the possession stats. I think that's very, very impressive, the energy. Um, but again, 
can they keep it up? I think that's, uh, you know, that's the question mark. Can, can they do that? Because it takes so much out of a team with the high energy that they're playing. Um, and I think that's why you can see now that they're, they're, they're building a squad. You know, Raf- yeah. I think Rafinha come, came in as well. Um, so, so just building some depth in that squad because if it's the same 11 players for this season, then uh, I think they're going to run out of steam. Yeah, can they, hit the nail can on the head. Be- that, yeah, they, yes, they can. And I think it's because of the recruitment Tommy said there. Bielsa didn't want to change many of the teams last season. He was happy if the boys that he was entrusted were fit, they would be playing. And I think he found out in the first season at the Championship, there's a lot of games and they didn't have the squad to, to cater for the injuries. They've got promotion and that's why I think that, that money that's been invested is to build a squad because they're going to have injuries. Uh, Liam Cooper has had a niggle early on because of the Bielsa style and the way that they train. Um, and the, the reason they play so hard and it demand and they, they, they replicate that in training. That's what it is. It's called Bielsa ball. It's called killer ball or whatever. They, and it is just relentless. And the boys actually look forward to matches more than they look forward to training when they do their conditioning session. And that, that speaks volumes for me. So, yes, they can. They've shown that. They've come up. The only thing that's upset me, Dave, is that Brentford didn't come up and we got a West Brom and a Fulham because I know they're teams that are, you know, they're happy to absorb pressure and have a go on the counter-attack. Brentford don't play like that as well. They're a very, very aggressive team, like Leeds United. And um, yeah, I know they've lost some good players, but I would have liked to have seen them because they wouldn't have changed their approach neither. Well, at least we get to see Ollie Watkins play with Aston Villa and, and he scored that ridiculous hat-trick uh, on the weekend against Liverpool. And honestly, this time last week, this is where we say we can get carried away very, very early. I was honestly thinking, like, how is anyone going to catch Liverpool? I was looking at City. I was looking at Bielsa and, and exposing City on, on the Sunday morning. And I was sitting there thinking, who is actually going to catch City? And now it's all turned on its head. And a month ago, Bridgie, we were sitting there talking about Tottenham. And you were so slumped shoulders, worrying about the season. So I'm going to ask you in our next segment, what say you, Bridgie? I'm going to throw a Ari Redknapp at you. And I wish I could say this in, a, in an Ari Redknapp accent, but I wouldn't do it justice. But basically, Harry said on Deadline Day on Sky Sports, he said, if you ask me, honestly, I think Spurs will make top four. I think they could even win the league this year. I know people are going to think I'm crazy, but I look at that squad. It looks like it's going to be an open year. Look what happened at the weekend. I'm telling you, that is some squad they've got. They've got cover in every position. It is a really powerful squad. If anyone is going to upset the big two, it could be Spurs. What say you in this season? It, is, it, is it up for grabs again? Harry is mad. Harry is <laughs> mad. <laughs> it's, um, it's up for grabs. Definitely up for grabs. But the thing is, there's a lot of teams that you could say that about this year. You can say that about your team, Chelsea, because of the signings. Can they get the defensive issues right? You can say that about Arsenal and Mikel Arteta. I've just said I really fancy them now because they've recruited. They've got a new style. Spurs, yes, yeah, you know, Hoiberg's coming that midfield. He looks a, he looks like he's just a consistent, steady player. That's what you get from him is consistency. Um, Son, can we keep Son and, and Harry Kane fit? When are we going to see Gareth Bale? Reguillon, the boy from Seville, um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of his. A bit of balance, Doty's come in as well. So listen, the, the, the signs are there, Dave, but again, I think that's, you know, it's passion taking over the, the love and the, the mind. Every, the, I think there's a lot of teams are going to challenge more so this season because of the results that we have seen. I'm hoping Spurs is going to be on them, um, but for the title, I think he's mad. <laughs> but is it back up for grabs, Thomas, or is that a blip from Liverpool? No, I think it's, you know, it, it's obviously up for grabs. Um, you know, and, and it's great to see that uh, there's no invincible teams. Uh, great, great for, for, for the game, great for, for the Premier League and the excitement. You know, I still think Liverpool is the team to beat. I think, uh, you know, with, with the players and the additions, uh, Thiago coming in, obviously, um, you know, uh, you know, Mane will be back uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, probably after the international break. So, they, they're still the best team in my view. Uh, I, I saw the, the Aston Villa game as a bit of a, a blip uh, and could potentially, like Bridges said, be a, a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, again, that things are not going to come easy, that they, they have to fight for it. And, and, and what better game than, as I said, the, the Merseyside derby to, to get that. And I think that, that's going to be... Uh, you know, Klopp's focus definitely at this international break. 
And going back to your comments as well, Dave, about Harry Redknapp, I just feel any man that has been on Celebrity Jungle and was able to sustain that amount of time in the Australian jungle and win it, it's definitely had an effect upstairs. There we go. So for him to say that, I hope he's right, but I'm just thinking that the jungle has taken its effect. i tell you what, though. It was a big week for Spurs, though, Bridgie. You've got to give your man, Jose, a little bit of credit there because oh. we're not only... Physically, with the fixture logjam, that was a statement at Old Trafford. It certainly was. I mean, it helps when they go down to 10 men. It helps when you're playing a team that is completely disjointed. It helps when, you know, like I say, Racket Ralph and Maguire is at the back fighting his own players. It was great, but the boys have still got to go and put on. And what it, what it showed, they were ruthless. They didn't just take the foot off the pedal and go, you know, we're two or three, let's get this. They went and they went again. They did the same against Southampton. So it's very good going forward. Um, it was pleasing to see. And I really think that having seen Mourinho on a couple of documentaries, the Spurs one and another one called The Playbook, when he's talking on there, is about the culture and getting the best out of the players rather than that. You know, he said you, can, you can't tell players how to do certain things in the final third. He mm. said because they're, they're world-class players. He said I give them structure and organisation and let them go and express themselves when he, when he can, when he doesn't park the bus. And like I say, he's getting the best out of them at this moment in time. But he, he will live off that game against Manchester United for the rest of his life. The stick <laughs> that he took from the fans, believe you me, if he can get that in any interview from now till the end of the season, he will. Can you imagine the carry-on if there were fans there, what he would have been doing up and down the sideline? It would have been absolutely, <laughs> absolutely epic. <laughs> absolutely epic. All right, finish this sentence, Thomas. Um, returning from the international break, the manager under the most pressure will be? I think all are going to Solskjaer. I think, um, you know, with it being the club uh, of Manchester United, uh, the talks already um, about Pochettino, the result, obviously, uh, at the weekend, I think it's just mounting now to, to, to an extent where you can take it seriously and, and he has to take it very seriously. You know, you can look at other managers, Scott Parker as well, will be under pressure. Uh, you know, Ginger Marini or Burnley? Yeah, but, I, I, you know, again, I think what he's been given to work with there, you know, he's been able to, to bring in uh, a reserve goalkeeper and one player. Mm. Um, you know, maybe if they had sold Tarkovsky, I think potentially to Leicester, they might have had something. But Tommy, you know, I, mean I don't know what's going on. There. I mean, from a flip side, Tommy, I think oh, okay. he, I think he could potentially walk himself. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask Bridgie. He might not get the sack because he's kind of got that sort of tenure there. But can he actually pull them out of this hole, or will he actually go before because he can see what's coming? I can't believe he's there. I mean, I would be the job that he has done there. I would be absolutely fed up to the back teeth of thinking, "Hang on, what I've done for this club, the the funds Tommy's just mentioned, you get no budget." Um, he had to play. I think it was so many. I think he had a full bench of youngsters, mm. and he didn't bring any of them on to make another statement. Like it, 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 they're just depleted now. I don't know how he gets the motivation to go in there and try and perform for that club anymore. I've got to be honest. Yeah, talking losers of the transfer window earlier, uh, Burnley were right up there in the sense that they, they, you almost forgot about them because they didn't make a play in that window. And that's why I say he, he must be just waking up every morning going, what have I got to do here? And I think he regrets not moving on when he had the opportunity. But where would he go, Bridget? Because where is there an opening in the, in the Premier League for that type of manager right now? Or is it almost the chance to build another club back up from the Championship? that might suit him. I think there's the championship when you look at it that way, or there's the Crystal Palace job will be coming available. Um, the only other one that I really see that are in there at this moment in time would be somebody like a West Brom. Um, if Billich or, or a Fulham, one of the newly ones that have come up, I can't see him getting anything else other than that um, because we know what he's about. He's about defensive issues and getting the structure. So there's a lot of the other teams in there that don't like to play that way now. It's, you know, Brighton changed their whole holistic approach and philosophy on the game. Um, they got him Potter to, to give him that dimension as well. So, yeah, he's, he's a very, he's a bit of a die and breed in the, mm. in the sense of the style of play that the fans do want, but it's still very, very effective. Well, one club some people might have thought might have had a vacancy is West Ham. But I'll ask you, Thomas, the new look West Ham are... Uh... Finally exciting. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, you know, again, we talked a little bit uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, I think it may be a bit of a blessing in disguise or a bit of a coincidence, but, but them, you know, going to a back three against Arsenal, um, you know, just gave them a bit of solidity 
probably released a couple of players to go forward. I think they look like against Leicester, they look really, really sharp in, in transition. You know, I think, you know, Bowen is starting to really kick into mm. gear. And you, yeah, you got right. Antonio, Antonio, obviously, um, you know, who's, who's been really strong up front. Uh, but the two fullbacks, uh, Mastuaku and, and, and Johnson in the previous games, uh, the, the, I can't remember, the, the new guy. That, that, yeah, 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 who came in at the weekend. You know, they, they've been able then to go forward and supply the crosses. And, and um, you know, they just look a different team, uh, play with a different energy. And, you know, I, mean, I don't know if uh, David Moyes should just stay permanently away because since... <laughs> Since he's gone on his COVID break, he's, uh, they're actually absolutely flying. So. It's unbelievable, isn't it? To think that he's, he's doing the, the Zoom sessions and he's in the dressing room, all, all the assistant managers taking them. I, I wouldn't have him back in because it's just been incredible what they have done. Maybe Moisey sucks the life out of them before the game. You know, like a vampire, just like bore. I've had managers that are great during the week, but come game days when they give one of their speeches, they're absolutely honking. You'd rather just forget about it. They can actually drain you. So I, th- I think that's something to consider. But the one for me, Dave and, and Tommy, I looked at the result against Leicester, the 3-0, that was great. But I looked at the bench and I saw Yamalenko, Anderson, Lanzini, Noble, Haller, uh, and a, a couple of others. I can't think who else is on there. But I thought, wow, this is, if they can get this going, and they've got players like that that can come on and impact them. Um, they, they should be in for a much better season um, because they're just starting to gel now. Yep, good to see a big club back up where they, well, not down where they ought to be uh, and be very interesting to see if they can sustain it. In the international break, Thomas, Jur- Jurgen Klopp will... <laughs> Ooh, um, <laughs> I think he'll just uh, put down a challenge to, to the players. Um, again... He, he'll get a little bit of a, a, a break himself, I'm sure, and give the, the players a little bit of a break, a, a chance to reset um, and, and then get back to business uh, as soon as players return because, uh, you know, we, yeah, we touched on it. What, what a game to, 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 to get back on track on against Everton. The, the record, as Richie touched on, has, has been immense uh, from, from Liverpool's point of view over the last uh, 10 years. So again, um, you know, again, you want to, Put the high-flying Everton, and 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 you know you want to shut them up and 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 put them in their place. So, so I think he's not going to panic. He's not panicking too too much. Uh, again, Thiago, uh, you know, again, Mane will be back. They'll be able to 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 feel their strongest side. You know, for me, yeah, again, they they they'll still beat Everton. Um, you know, even at at Everton's best. I think you'd be hoping that the COVID doesn't spread. And I, th- I heard, I don't know whether it came out in the media in the press, Dave, um, but there was a lot of international teams who were a bit wary about taking some of the Liverpool players in the international break because yeah. they've had such a cluster of a breakout and they didn't want it to spread into their national team. So um, I think that's what he'd be doing. Be praying that it, they can get the players back, Tommy mentioned, but also just, just contain this, um, this virus. Mm, 100%, 100%. I'll tell you, he doesn't get a break over the international break. It's up to sport, but that's a blessing because it means we've got a day upon day upon day of international action coming up starts on thursday morning with a series of friendlies and i think goes through to uh, wednesday with the nations league uh, sunday through to through to wednesday um with some european qualifiers on friday morning as well we've got england against wales friday 6 a.m australian eastern daylight time and they play belgium england play belgium on monday in their nations league group um, but Bridget, it's an interesting time for Gareth Southgate. Oh, you've got a hit on your hands. You, you, you're worried about this game. Well, you might be worried about this game because half your squad is getting themselves suspended. Give, honestly, what's going on there? Dave, they had a good culture. Honestly, numb nuts. Numb nuts, they are. They, so you, you've got Phil Foden and Greenwood last time. They were, you know, they were enjoying themselves with some Scandinavian women, um, which is completely understandable. Um, <laughs> they're young lads. Uh, but you know the timing was absolutely ridiculous um, from what the, what they were doing. So they've been suspended, and then after the result the other day, Tammy Abraham has his what his house party, and Chilwell's there. Sancho flies in, and there's more than six people. They know the rules and regulations, so Southgate must just be thinking, what am what have I got to do? So it's it's England B team against the Welsh national team, and I'm really I think it'll be a very close game. Um, but I, I really fear that Belgium game uh, is going to be, I think, one one step too far for them. 
So it's it's not good. I just I wish some of these players, man, would get better advice from from their agents or from whoever's looking after them. They're, 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 oh, I, I don't know. It's just a shambles, man. Thick. It, it is a surprise given that Southgate's done everything he can to actually build a good yeah. culture in that in that yeah. squad. Well, that's what it seems like uh, from from the other side of the world. Yeah, and that's what he's that's what he's about. And again, he's having a little bit of conflict with uh, Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about certain players that they you know they've got to look after. Tottenham Hotspur as well for their players with Mourinho and Harry Kane. So it's going to be interesting to see how Southgate handles it. Um, the only blessing for him is after he gets these international games out, he hasn't got to worry about anything else. He can just go and basically <laughs> relax and deflate himself because it's very. I've, it's a stressful position being an England manager without even because of the pressure but without your players doing what they want. That opportunity does beckon for those there. Um, I wonder, Thomas, would you, would you play Pickford at number one if you were, uh, if you were Southgate? Oh, uh, you know, question. I think either you make a judgment. Um, you know, he's been the number one for a while. Um, you know, if he stands by him uh, and if he believes in him long-term, yeah, he definitely plays. Uh, he might give... Uh, somebody else a chance against Wales, but he definitely plays against Belgium. Um, and and then you 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 put it down to him. You know, uh, you know, I've been in a situation as well. I'm sure Bridgie has, where the managers had a word with you. Uh, you got to step up your performances. Somebody's breathing down your neck. I still believe in you, but this is the time to perform now. Uh, no more hiccups. Uh, and then you rise to the occasion, or you get dropped. And, and I think that's the conversation at Southgate, even if uh, if he hasn't had it already or, or definitely should have with, with Pickford and, and and then give him a chance against uh, Belgium and then take it from there. Tommy, I had that chat of my managers a lot more than you had of your managers, mate. Believe you me. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, Bridgie, there's um, th- those numbnuts, as you say, aren't in the squad, but there's still some terrific uh, young players. The depth in the English squad now is actually really impressive. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets the chance to... Um, test his wares with Harry Kane. Danny Ings is still in there, rewarded for his form in the Premier League. Um, the, what do you on the park? What do you like about the current in England squad? I just like the enthusiasm, the young, the energy um, that they bring. The only thing I don't, I'm not liking at the moment, and I heard a lot of the fans talking about on one of the UK radio stations, is that at times Southgate doesn't embrace it and allow them to go on what they do it's too structured and organized whereas when he first took over there were we had the rotation we had the center halves driving out the ball it was throw numbers forward he's become a little bit more conservative got um, and and put the reins on the last few matches that we have seen them instead of letting them go and embrace them uh, express themselves because the the talent that is on display going forward england are absolutely brilliant with the amount of energy levels, the pace that they've got, the dribbling ability, the finishing. Defensively, I still think there is a lot of questions need to be answered. That's with the ball and without the ball. So that comes from the goalkeeper, the two centre-halves. So it's um, if anybody knows the, the system inside out, it is Gareth Southgate because he knows the levels of the juniors that have come through and they've had successful, they've won a lot of tournaments. Uh, and that was one of the reasons he got the job by default. He said, get somebody in. Uh, we know what's going on. We don't want to spoil the youngsters. So a couple of opportunities for people, but I still think Southgate is still answering the critics because he's just starting to kind of put the reins on a little bit, whether that's worry about getting exploited. Uh, but no, yeah, for me, he's done a great job in the World Cup, but I'm just starting to ask a few questions of late. All right, we'll watch this space for the next couple of days. And uh, look, it is a smorgasbord, as I said. There's more games you could possibly even uh, dream of watching. But some of the, the ones I've picked out are Portugal against Spain. Uh, we've got the two England games, Spain against Switzerland, and France against Portugal as well. So plenty to keep you busy over the next week if you think you're going to be missing your football. But gents, that's all we've got time for today. And by the time we speak next week, we'll be previewing a Merseyside derby. And would you believe it, we're going to be previewing the UEFA Champions League group stage. It has come, aco- come across us yeah. already. We Finally. cannot wait for that. It's the non-stop football. It's non-stop football. It is, the, it is the positive out of this very strange year. Can't wait for that. I'm just actually looking forward to this, having this weekend off, Dave. I'm just going to watch all the football that is on the box, on the Optus app. I'm just going to enjoy not having to talk about it, mate. This is my weekend off, so I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to listen to the podcast next week with um, yourself and Tommy and Johnny Aloisi, and then I'm getting forward to the Premier League start once again. So I'm actually going to embrace the next seven days 
and just be a sponge and a fan and not have to talk crap. So there you go. You mean, Over to you, boys. <laughs> yeah, and you have us to put on mute once again next week. So we'll look forward to chatting to you then, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait, Dave. Thanks for your time. And to everyone out there, as ever, thanks for listening. And until the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.